Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show today. Welcome to the show today. I've said this, you always do that. I know. This is Paradox. This is Paradox. You missed it. Jimbo was actually just rapping Hamilton. Was rapping G. No, no. Hamilton throws no G's out. Oh, it throws a lot of other things. Yes, I'm enthralled with Hamilton. I cannot spell Hamilton, so I'm not familiar with it. I am A-L-E-X. Yeah, that's Alexander. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about it. actually uh, probably one of, if not the foundational truth within marriage, something that you have to grasp, wrestle with, and accept for the most part, before you can kind of move forward. And it's the idea that you are incapable of loving your spouse like you want to. Okay, pull over, because I know some of you, your head's hurting right now. (laughs) Yes, it's not about his needs or her needs. It's not about love languages. It's not about respecting and loving. It's And all those things are true. All those things are fantastic. However, we set ourselves up for failure when we sort of embrace a non-biblical view that our needs are going to be met by another person. And I'm anticipating that they're going to be met by this other person. And when my needs are not met by this other person, just recently I had a couple in and they were just locked. You know, know, when a a crocodile comes out of the water and grabs a wildebeest by the jugular and drags him in and then starts rolling— in the water with the wildebeest. You know what that's called? Uh, the circle of life. No, not a bad guess. Mm, I was going Lion King It's on a you. death spiral. And I see couples that get in these death spirals that are, you know, hey, if you do that, that means you don't love me. If you loved me, you would stop doing that. If you love me, you would start doing that. And so our the other person's behavior is a testament of their love for their partner. Now, keep in mind, we're not talking about deal breakers. We're talking about other issues that we require our partner to adhere to our desires in order to prove their love to me. And this is a self-defeating strategy. And I think that it comes out of a place of expectations. Absolutely. And obviously, like when we do pre-marriage work, like that is the word that really is the umbrella over everything that we do. It's just, it's six sessions talking about expectations just so that we can be clear. For example, your mother, <laughs> she wanted me to, it sounds, but to pick up after myself. What? Yeah. I'd say what? And uh, she wanted me to, uh, like, sweep. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold on, I have yep. never seen Jimbo help around the house. Oh, I don't mean I did it. She just expected uh, me to. Okay. And it caused okay. a lot of conflict. I mean, finally, I had to, like, settle things with I'm her. a byproduct of that con- conflict, um, Jimbo. Yeah. But it's all about, 
Well, it's about expectations, but it's really all about unmet expectations. Exactly. We have to accept that we're incapable, and subsequently our spouses are incapable of loving us like we think they should and like we think we should love them. And so if we expect our spouses to be unloving from time to time and for them to be sinful and not to always say the right things, then it really can... um, Free us. Well, it can free us, but it can like uh, it can create a buffer around conflict. Because then, if we if we if we expect them to not be loving, obviously we're hurt, but we don't really we don't we don't lose faith, and it's not like this deep unmet travesty. Like being a Longhorns fan, <laughs> correct? If I expected them to go to the national championship game every year, I would be it would be a deep unmet tragedy in my life. If I even expected them to compete for the Big 12 title, see, that would be, they would, I would live in a constant state. If I expected them to win a majority, no, that's shooting too high. If I expected them to be able to run onto the field without falling over themselves, I would be setting myself up for shame and sorrow and disappointment. So I know what you're saying. And I think part of the problem comes in is if we expect ourselves to be able to love our spouses adequately, First of all, we're setting up ourselves up for frustration. Correct. But then it really comes from a place of pride and not ultimately what we're going to boil this down to, reliance on the Holy Spirit and our mm-hmm. relationship with Christ. And it can really ruin gratitude in a lot of ways, both mm-hmm. for our spouse and our spouse for us. Mm-hmm. And then when we do fail, right, if we expect ourselves to be able to adequately love our spouse and when we do fail, then it's shame that really enters the picture because then we didn't meet the expectations that even we have for ourselves. And so it just it's cart before the horse and it really just screws up a lot of things. You know, when we when we are looking at our spouses to meet our our spiritual and emotional and all these needs, we are as we said setting ourselves up for this cycle, this ongoing cycle of disappointment which leads to frustration which leads to anger. Because since our spouse, as you pointed out, will never be able to love us that way, and we will never be able to love them in that way all the time, then we're, you know, this anger just simmers And when we're angry at them for not meeting our needs, what we tend to do is ignore the fact that we're not meeting their needs in all areas either. And that's when we whip out the pointy finger and we begin to wag a finger at at them, wag a finger in their face, pointing out what they're not doing. I had, I think I've even mentioned this before, but this guy who um, I was seeing the wife and she said, he wrote out his love languages on a sheet of paper and printed them out off the computer and and taped them to her bathroom mirror. So, <laughs> Smart man. And then he'd get mad because he'd go, I even printed out my love languages and you're not loving me that way. So we just, and again, he, he, he just went right past the sequoia redwood in his own eye, right to the speck in hers. It can, when we focus on how our spouse is not meeting our needs, 
that focus, that myopic focus, tends to distract us from the fact that we are not even close to meeting their needs either. We get so self-righteous and so indignant about what they're doing, we're blind to what we're doing. So ultimately, the problem, when we, when we go into a marriage assuming that we can meet our spouse's needs adequately, um, that we are in and of ourselves are capable of loving them well, and vice versa, that our spouse can meet our needs, that he or she is uh, capable of loving us well, it sets the stage for a lot of unmet expectations and a lot of frustration. Mm. So where do we go, Jimbo? Okay, you've already touched on a couple, because I see this summing up in basically two words. We don't do two words. We still have like 15 minutes, Jimbo. We got to cover. Well, I'm going to go quite a long time on each of the (laughs) words. Oh, okay. But this is the Daily Double, the Dynamic Duo, the terrific tandem, if you will. Can I guess them? Yeah, go ahead. Sex. That's one. No, not... What do we even have to do with sex? I I don't know. I just... Marriage... It's humility and gratitude. And you know about my one tat, but since last we spoke, I have a new tat. You don't either. And I have on on one part of my body, let's just call it the left part, certain part of my body, I have the word gratitude. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, it does involve a giant scorpion. That does have those two words in the pinchers, mm-hmm. gratitude and humility, because mm-hmm. I never want to forget them. We talked about these two things when it came to conflict, but I'm telling you, and I, I, I'm dead serious, if there are two words that we want to just grab a hold of and make them the foundation of our relationship with anybody, it is humility and it's gratitude. Because humility, it's, and we'll say this and we'll say this until we're sort of blue, wagging a finger never works. It, it helps us feel better that we have uh, really solved the problem and, and told the other person how we feel about things. But if we want the person to understand our perspective and possibly do things differently, wagging a finger never works. So as soon as we start in on our partner as to how they are not meeting our needs and how they are not loving us the way we want them to, we are, we're so self-righteous, judgmental, and condescending at that time. Because if we were honest, we would understand that we are nobody, we are nobody to tell them how they're not loving us because they would have a list as long, if not longer, about how we're not loving them. So it requires humility. And I'm telling you, in this society where everybody's got a grievance and everyone is wronged and everyone needs to protest because they're this victim, humility is, is, and gratitude are two forgotten elements of life. Because our society teaches us to demand, to be selfish, to stand up for oneself, which is why a good marriage that's going to last 40 years is going to focus on, first of all, humility. And the second one is gratitude. If I'm expecting my spouse to love me in all the ways that I want, truth be known, 
they're probably doing that about 75 or 80 percent of the time, unless they're just real jerks or maybe they fell off of something and hit their head and they're incapable now. But most of the time, most of the couples that I see, not all of them, but most of them, they're two good people. They're good people. They love God. They love each other. They're just trying to get something, but they're not bad, evil people. And so if we were to be honest, we always say this when, you know, there's that cognitive distortion of exaggeration, that if we ever say the words always and never, remember we covered that on those, we did stinking thinking a few weeks back, didn't we? And one of them is exaggeration. But the reason we use never and always is to justify our feelings. But the truth is it's not never and it's not always. But we say that to justify how angry or how hurt we are. You never, you always. Truth is, it's a majority of the time. It may not even be that, but let's just say for giggles, it is. You know, if we said, you know, 80% of the time you don't blah, 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 that doesn't get us ramped up. That doesn't prove our point. The truth is, if we were honest, our spouse is probably loving us the way we want about 80 85% of the time. And yet all we focus on is the 10 to 15%. It blots out the sun. And so we have these expectations that they're going to meet our needs and they're going to meet 100% of our needs. And if we were just grateful for the 75, 80, 85% of our needs that they do meet and are diligent about doing and not focus on the 10 or 15%, how much joy, how much light would be led in the room if we could just possibly do that? Be grateful for what they are and for what they do and realize that I've got a lot of problems in my life before I start demanding that they change their lives. I'm oh. sorry, but that was fantastic. Oh, I oh. want to pass a plate. Yeah, you're finished? Yeah. Oh, okay. Whew, I got to sit back. Yeah, we did a... I inter- on a roll. <laughs> We did an interview uh, with a podcast this week. It's the God-Centered Mom podcast. Heather McFadden is is who hosts that. Go check it out. We'll actually have her uh, on. She's she, We interviewed her, and she interviewed us. Anyway, Jimbo loves to hear himself talk. So, I mean, I, I, I nodded off there. Uh, what did you say again? <laughs> I forgot, but it was good. <laughs> uh, no, good stuff. Obviously, gratitude, humility, and... I'm, I might break those down uh, a little bit with with kind of my problem solving, but break down. Um, <laughs> but obviously those two things are like the umbrella yeah. over this whole issue. For me, it starts with brokenness. It is that tea, that pesky tea in tulip. Oh, I just went theological on everybody up in Woo! here. <laughs> it's just total depravity. I mean, we just have to understand that we. Um, that, you got to explain tea and tulip. No. I'm just going to let it hang. And for those that catch it, catch it. It's like the R in ragweed. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, that we are depraved people, uh, that we are sinful. Um, and if we... It's almost like military style, and while I've never gone through basic training, you know, it's it's a complete breaking down of the person to then rebuild them into this cohesive group that follows orders. You know, when we are when we enter marriage and believe that we are incapable of loving our spouse adequately and vice versa, our spouse to us, we approach it with brokenness, and then humility and gratitude kind of ensue out of that. 
and we can then properly build this fusion of three between God, ourselves, or and, and, and us as, as spouses. Uh, so it begins with brokenness, which then really leads to this loss of self, and Scripture is pretty clear. You know, we have to lose ourselves to truly find it. And it also then moves into this complete reliance on God. So hopefully it creates, you know, if I begin each day with the thought that I can't adequately love my spouse well today, then it hopefully will lead us to more prayer, more scripture reading, more Christian community. It should be leading us towards more healthy activities so that we can um, adequately and appropriately love our spouse that day not in and of ourselves, um, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of, of God in our life. And then ultimately, you know, with this change of expectation, and I believe Jimmy certainly touched on this piece, but if I don't expect my spouse to meet all of my needs and love me well all seconds of every day, then I'm not just completely destroyed when he or she doesn't do that. I know I see it in my room and ex- in my counseling room and experience in my personal life, we can be bebopping along, having a fantastic experience, day, hour, meal, whatever it is together, and just one little bitty thing is said, and it can knock us off our game, and we can be mad at each other the rest of the night. Um, and that's terrible. And where that comes from is this very thing, that unmet expectation that he or she shouldn't, you know, Katie shouldn't have said that, or Katie's thinking, oh, he shouldn't have said that. If he really loved me, he wouldn't have said that. And, and it, we just internally go down the toilet at that point. And so as a relational buffer, expecting maybe a good way to say it, expecting imperfection in our spouse, expecting them to say the wrong thing, and then just being grateful if, if the right thing is said. And I know it sounds bad to say lower your expectations, but a lot of times with people I will say, hey, you know, if, if, if your spouse yells at you that she hates you, Okay, you know, I got to deal with that. But if a 14-year-old, you know, mentally handicapped kid screamed, I hate you, you go, well, you know, well, I love you, you little booger. You know, you just wouldn't, it doesn't bother you so much because your expectations are not so high. It sounds really bad, but what we expect out of our spouses is perfection. So that is bad. We do have to lower that expectation because they're never, because we're not perfect either. So lowering those expectations, to your point, I'm just not expecting perfection. And when I don't get it, again, may be disappointed, but sure, you're not healing over backwards. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. But it's not this ultimate grievance yes. where I'm not going to talk to them the rest of the evening Absolutely. or whatever. They don't love me. Yeah. I love Egrich, you know, when he said that in a calm, non-adrenaline-juiced moment, do you love each other? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. So y'all know each other's love. Yes. So no one's mad. No. Yes. All right. Then we've settled that. So stop bringing it up. So now when something, when we, when we start having an argument, what, well, I guess we just need to divorce then. Well, I just guess you don't love. No, we've already said that. And, and if, and if just cause you're in a fight and you're juiced on adrenaline, that doesn't mean someone stopped loving you or that you now need to divorce. No, it just means that you're crazy in your head on adrenaline. So if we can determine before we even get started, we love each other. Okay. Then never let it go there. Get mad, you know, hold your breath, roll on the floor, but don't let it go there because we've already established that's off the table. So to sum it up, 
Uh, In summary. You out there listening are idiots. And your spouse is an idiot. Yeah. I think that's what, yeah. Accept it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Make it you. Embrace your inner idiot. What does that even mean? I don't know, but that's a (laughs) t-shirt. Guys, we hope that you enjoyed today. It wasn't that upbeat. (laughs) But hopefully you'll find freedom in in embracing your idiocracy. If you want more information uh, about this show, if you want actually three to four more steps on how do we maybe recognize this or how do I might implement this a little bit more, it's in our show notes at paradoxpodcast.com. You click on the episode tag. Uh, or tab. And if you want to follow us uh, individually or uh, the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, uh, you can also find that information at paradoxpodcast.com. Our likes are really going down. Now that we don't say what our Instagram is, I'm begging you people. (laughs) We've got, I've already gotten yelled at by the publisher that I don't have a big enough platform. You have to give them a reason other than groveling. No, 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 no. Please, for the love of all the totally, like me on Facebook. Yeah. Then My entire self-worth hinges on it. Yes. I'm worse than a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> In so many ways. OMG. Guys, <laughs> it was fun. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. My first day on the job there, and I sat down for four hours and listened to this senior in college who had tried to take his life. And the reason why is, man, I'm not making this up. He had just got his first B as in boy 